Lost in space and time Has it been so long? Seasons passing by And we're still going strong Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. If I can help you with your music career, whether that's becoming a client or just simply a private one-on-one online video consultation, by all means, let me know. I have been doing so for artists across the U.S. since 2004 and would love to help you as well. Get in touch through the email address podcast at nhte.net, which is also where you can write to with comments about the show. I'm always eager to hear from listeners with any feedback that you have. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Austin, Texas, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar, and piano player who was the runner-up on season 17 of The Voice. His latest single was just released in mid-September and is his fourth new song of 2021. At the end of 2020, he put out a song that charted at number one on iTunes, His songs have been highlighted by the likes of People.com, Forbes, and CMT, among others. Since his time on national television, he has also headlined sold-out shows, not only there in Austin, but in the Northeast as well. You've been hearing a song of his called Star? Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Ricky Duran. What's up, everybody? Thank you for having me, Bruce. Absolutely, Ricky. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Let's get started by having you tell the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Star, especially since I was talking over it and they didn't get to hear it clearly or in its entirety. Sure thing. Yeah, I wrote Star uh, a couple years ago, and it's probably my my favorite song that is uh, on my up-and-coming album. Uh, It's an R&B tune that I wrote uh, dedicated to my girlfriend. Um, and it's just all about love and letting yourself uh, experience it because sometimes you know it's tough to, I guess, let yourself uh, you know be vulnerable to that. Um, but it's all about the ups and downs of of love and the relationship. So the ups and downs. So I'm focusing on the downs part of that and wondering what makes you end up titling the song "Star." So I mean, I, I don't think the focus is on the downs. It's really about you know if you love someone enough there's definitely, you know, things you have to go through in any relationship. Uh, and you know, star for me is, uh, she's basically at my girlfriend, I was looking at it. Like she's the the light in my life, right. Bringing me uh, joy and also kind of direction. Yeah, I get that. So you, you are my star is what you're saying to your girlfriend. And we all know that as relationships go, there's going to be ups and downs, but through it all, you will be my star is what you're saying. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Solo written or did you co-write this? Uh, that was solo written by me. Is that generally the case with you or do you do some co-writing? And if so, maybe like what percentage of your songs are solo written and what percentage are co-written? Sure. Yeah, I've been actually getting more into co-writing, but uh, growing up, I kind of was the, one of the only musicians in my town. So I kind of got used to uh, writing alone mm. and it was actually a challenge for me for a bit to, to be able to, uh, I don't know, share that side of me with other artists, but I, I recently have, uh, I just worked with a, an artist from Nashville called Eric Posley. He's a, a great songwriter. He actually co-wrote, uh, one of my songs off the voice called a woman like her. Um, and we are actually, uh, recording a song that's going to be on my next album, um, uh, with him. So that's going to be the, the only, so two of the nine songs on the album are co-writes. Okay. Okay. So, talk about that change for you of having been so used to writing alone what that was like when you first started venturing into the world of co-writing i was actually nervous about it to be honest with you because to to write with somebody uh there's also a sense of vulnerability and just 
sharing your ideas that, you know, at first your ideas aren't necessarily, maybe they, they might not be uh, welcomed by the other artists. You know what I mean? Um, but if you're with a talented uh, writer, like such as Eric Tosley, um, you know, you're, you're open to share, you know, he'll share ideas, I'll share ideas. And uh, we just look at them with kind of open arms and, and, and kind of analyze everything that we're throwing out and, and come to an agreement, you know? Um, so I really enjoy the process of co-writing and I, I think I want to do it more actually. Yeah. And I totally get that when you say you put yourself into a place where you're going to be vulnerable, but I think, and granted, sorry to be armchair quarterbacking this, but I think it's easy to sit here and look and say, while that's completely understandable, short of I have been in a rocket ship to the moon, you know, what could you say to that person that they're going to say, sorry, Ricky, absolutely 100% can't relate to that because we have, going back to Star, we all have been in relationships that have had ups and downs and we've all had heartbreak and we've all had loss and we've all, and the list goes on that there's probably not something you're going to bring to a co-write where the person's going to say, I just really don't know a thing about that whatsoever. So I imagine <laughs> that it was one of those things of getting the reps and getting more comfortable and getting out of your own head that you probably became more comfortable yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, with Eric, it was about, you know, we sat down over Skype and we sat down for about three hours and cranked out this song, but it basically was just like, you know, us saying, what do we want to talk about today? What do you, you know? And we just decide on a, a topic uh, that we both can, can vibe on. And, uh, you know, for this song that is, is not released yet, but it was just about, um, kind of about my experience on The Voice and he had watched me on the show and just uh, an underdog story. So that for that particular uh, session, that was that was a topic there. Yeah, and I like that because you both came at the same topic yet from different perspectives. So I imagine that had to be a great collaboration. Before Ricky and I continue, I need to issue a clarification. The last two weeks on the show, you have heard me talk about the gear that I'm now using that's making my audio sound so crystal clear, all thanks to a unit that is a combination audio interface and handheld recorder from a company called Centrance, like the word entrance, but with a C at the beginning. Anyhow, I was telling you on the last two episodes of the show that they make a very similar unit for musicians called the Mixer Face. And make no mistake, this is an investment that you'll want to make, but only have to make once. You won't have to rebuy something else at some point. The Mixer Face is going to give your fans, your audience, studio quality audio. And don't forget, you can even connect it to a smartphone or tablet to stream live from absolutely anywhere, as long as you have cell data or Wi-Fi, of course. But the clarification I need to make is this. I told you that for my listeners, they have a special offer. When you click on the Mixer Face ad on the show website, nhte.net, and place your order through them, you're going to want to put in the code BRUCE to get a free watertight accessory case to carry it in. Not only did I not mention that there is free shipping for folks in the U.S., but I should also tell you that on desktop, you'll see the ad right away in the right-hand column. But on mobile, you're going to need to scroll way down on nhte.net to see the Mixerface ad. Check it out today. This unit is small, but it's going to become the centerpiece of your home studio. Ricky, we're going to have lots of folks coming to this episode because they're fans of yours, but I've got lots of questions for my audience who is just getting to meet you for the first time. The first question is, I introduced you as calling in from Austin, Texas, yet you recently received the key to the city of Worcester, Mass. from their mayor. So connect the dots for us. Sure, yeah. I was born in Worcester, Massachusetts, um, and I grew up there, and I, I lived there until I was about 24. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so so that's my hometown, and I have a whole lot of fans. So do you still go back there? Oh, yeah, I, I go back there pretty regularly, uh, often for shows. I just had a 1,800-seater uh, at the Hanover Theater uh, about a month and a half ago. Wow. Uh, and it was one of my favorite shows I've I played up until now. Wow, wow, outstanding. I guess that makes sense now, because you did actually attend... Berkeley for music, and that's in Boston. Right. Yeah, I attended there four years, graduated with a, a music business degree, actually. Wow. Wow. And was there anything about attending Berkeley that spoke to being a performer on stage, or was it, no, this was just all about learning the business, Bruce? 
Oh, no, for sure. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I think I learned the most uh, from other musicians and students. Uh, with, you know, my time at Berkeley, there's so many talented artists there. Uh, and although I studied, you know, music business, um, there, it was mandatory to take certain, uh, you know, performance classes. So I definitely learned a lot there. So the logical question then would be, when and why did you move to Austin? Uh, so I moved, to, you know, I visited here years ago um, for three months. It was just kind of a, a quick passing through, uh, and I, I fell in love with the place, and I made some really good friends. Uh, I was playing shows at local bars, uh, and then I picked up a tour uh, back up to Worcester. I was touring with a singer by the name of Leroy Sanchez, um, who's a great singer, by the way. But, you know, after that, I, I had been, like, dreaming about coming back to Austin, but my mother was, was sick, so I didn't want to leave her uh, at the time. So I stayed in Worcester for a few more years. And uh, when she passed, I, I decided, you know, it was time for me to uh, to check out Austin again. And I just really needed to be in a music city. Yeah, and it's interesting because so many times in the show we hear about people who up and move to Nashville. Uh, some will up and move to Los Angeles. I don't know that while I've had guests on who are based in New York, I don't know that I've talked to too many people who have up and moved to New York for music. But Austin definitely is always in the conversation right up there with the major music markets in the United States. So it's not surprising to move to Austin, but this back and forth from there to Worcester, Mass., that's the line that I needed connected and, and you did a good job with that. And so it sounds like you've started to expand insofar as you mentioned that this co-writer who you talked about before is based in Nashville. So how do you get connected to someone like that? Uh, so I have a lot of Nashville connections through the voice as well as, you know, a lot of friends in the music business who, who live out there. Uh, it was a close toss up and I've actually still think about moving there sometimes. Uh, but the cool connection with Eric was um, the voice for me. He he co-wrote the final song that I sang on the, on the show called A Woman Like Her. Uh, and, you know, what's interesting is I met Eric in Worcester years before this. Uh, he had played a show in my hometown, and I was performing at a local bar, you know. And he ended up stumbling in there. Uh, later that night, and we mm. had a, a conversation, but it just so happened, you know, it was pretty coincidental that uh, the voice offered me this song by, that he had written. Um, but then, you know, he, he uh, he's a really nice guy. We got to talking, and, and he said he would love to uh, write some tunes with me. So. Wow. Wow. That's great. That's great. And what was your experience like? You mentioned that you co-wrote with him over Skype and we've had kind of some, I don't want to say debates, I'll just say discussions, some differences of opinion on the show about some people that don't mind it and others that say, absolutely not. I just cannot co-write with someone if I'm not physically in the same room with them. It's definitely a challenge. I'm one of those people that I really like to be in person. Uh, for performances, for writing, you know, anything like that. I think uh, feeling more of a connection, the, the most connected you can to the, the co-writer is important. Um, so I think that's why, you know, for me, that was the first Skype writing session I, I'd ever done. Uh, and it took a few hours. So it was it was challenging for me to sit there in front of a screen, you know, and then write this tune. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be, you know, someone to say that, uh, I'd definitely rather write in person, but it's doable. It's manageable for me on Skype. Okay. Okay. I like that answer. What about the idea where we've heard guests who have say, you really need to kind of build your following in your hometown first and build out from there. So obviously you had a following back home and then you go to a place like Austin where it's, you know, oh my gosh, there's so, so, so many artists here. Is it a case of, I just have to start all over again, or does the fact that you had built this following way back in the Northeast help at all? Just just talk to all that as it relates to starting in a new market that's so, so far away where you came from. Sure. Yeah, I think that uh, it definitely helps coming from a town that you, well, for me, you know, Worcester, I have a lot of fans there. Moving to Austin, uh, it's nice to, to kind of have that, I guess, in, in your uh 
in the back, like especially on social media. You know, they see these numbers, uh, and you have like all these accolades from you know your hometown or whatever it might be. Okay, it definitely helps uh, establish yourself in a new state. Okay, okay. You know? And for your benefit, we do have listeners of this show who are aspiring performers that are listening each week to learn from me and my guests, and so I think it's important for them to hear about some of these insights with regards to the music industry and some of the realities such as a lot of people would say, oh, he's in Austin. He can probably play at South by Southwest. Or you probably had people tell you, hey, you should go play at South by Southwest. As though the folks at South by Southwest are just sitting back with their feet up on the desk waiting for Ricky Duran to call or email them and say, I'm here now. You can book me. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, actually I haven't played South by or ACL, but I'm hoping to play uh, South by this this next year. Um, and it's really all about finding somebody uh, who's connected with it, which has proven to be a, a little bit of a challenge. Um, but, you know, I've submitted my, my work there and, and hopefully that works out for me. All right. Something to keep our eyes on. Mm-hmm. So continuing to set some background, share with the audience about what you went through back in 2012, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. In, in 2012, uh, you know, I was 22, or I think I was going on 22, and um, I lost my dad to suicide, uh, and it was a, a real shock for me and my family. Um, it was a hard time, and, and you know, I, I wrote this song, uh, Waiting on You, my, my last single, uh, about my experiences with that. So I'm guessing, and I'm saying that so that you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing 22 you were done with Berkeley and still living in the Northeast? Yeah, I had just finished. Uh, I believe I graduated when I was 21. So I just finished uh, you know, college, and I moved home trying to figure out exactly where I wanted to take my career. Uh, where you wanted to take your career, meaning you were, by all means, intent on sticking with music. You'd just gotten your degree in music business and you were going to be performing and continuing to follow that path, right? Right. Well, it was, uh, you know, it was challenging for me because I, although I graduated with a music business degree, I realized after I graduated that the love for music was to be the actual musician rather than to be a manager or, or someone in, in the industry. I wanted to be the performer. So it took me a little bit to, I guess, give it my all as, as an artist and a performer. Well, so back up then, when had you actually started performing? Well, I had performed my whole life, you know, but okay. I guess professionally, uh, when I graduated college, it was really when I started being getting paid for, for my performances and playing at local uh, pubs and bars, venues, events, you know. And I imagine that since you do play both guitar and piano that you were able to perform as a solo act. You didn't find the need to all of a sudden put together a band as quickly as you could. Right. And I think that's really, uh, that was important for me. I couldn't have, uh, been able to, I guess, you know, as a solo artist, you get paid more, uh, just generally. I I would perform with my acoustic guitar and sing most of the time. If I had to put together a band, it would have been tough to, you know, just do that. I would probably have had to get another job. So losing your father then, did that impact your aspirations to have a music career one way or another? Um, you know, when I lost my dad, he was a musician. He's the whole reason why I picked up guitar in the first place. Um, it was, it was tough for me. I had a brief moment of doubt about, you know, sticking with music. Uh, but that, you know, passed shortly and I I performed uh, a week after my father passed and I decided, you know, I'm still gonna, still gonna do this. Mm, Wow. Okay. Well, and folks, talk about learning about having to deal with grief. Ricky endured loss yet again three years ago. Ricky, share with the audience about the events of 2018. Yeah, I lost my, uh, I unfortunately lost my mom to to cancer. Um, And that was also, you know, a huge, huge blow for me. Uh, It was a different kind of thing because it was a, a, a kind of shoe suffering for, for quite a bit. Mm. Um, so that was really hard to, to see, you know, and I know that a lot of people, probably a lot of listeners have felt the effects of cancer and, uh, you know, what that can do to your loved ones and your family. So it was, it was very hard. Uh, I wrote a song, uh, called she closed her eyes 
dedicated to my mom. That's the one that charted uh, number one on the iTunes charts. So how difficult is it to look at that type of reality and write a song about it? Because clearly songwriters are always, I shouldn't say always, but they're largely writing about something that they've experienced themselves or something that they're very, very close to. Maybe their best friend went through something that they choose to write a song about. But now it's your own mother and it's the loss of your own mother. Is it I feel it's a tribute, Bruce, or I got to admit, you know, it was really emotional to write about her. Uh, it was very emotional, but, you know, interestingly enough, I think that writing is a form of, it's, it's therapeutic for me. I didn't sit down and decide to write these songs. I just, you know, was feeling all these, this, you know, these type of ways. And I sat down with my guitar uh, shortly after my mom had passed away and, uh, she closed her eyes, the lyrics and the melody just came to me. Um, where the, the difficulty comes in to play for me is about releasing the songs to the public because those are the most intimate of feelings and emotions, you know, that, mm. I, that I've ever shared with anyone. So releasing the songs was a challenge, but writing them was therapeutic for me and it, it just kind of happened, you know. Yeah, that's fascinating, and, and you're really shining a light on something that I don't know that I've really spent much time thinking about before, being that, in that case, this is exceptionally personal to you. And whereas an artist always knows that some people are going to like and some people are going to not like all of their music, this is a case of where you're going to take it personal if somebody doesn't like that song, because it's almost <laughs> like somebody talking bad about a guy's mom. And, you know, in this case, it's like amped up from there. So yeah. that's really got to be a, a completely different emotion for you from the standpoint of being an artist releasing a song that you're looking for acceptance, and it's going to be a different type of disappointment for if sure. someone isn't really that thrilled by it. For sure. But, you know, for me anyway, I just, uh, I try not to pay attention to uh, the negatives or the haters, you know. Uh, you're always going to have people who are not going to agree with you on, on certain things and also not like your music, like you said. Um, but for, for me, it's just about being the artist that I am, you know, just presenting uh, my creation. That's it. And before we move on, so your family size was what? Because I believe your parents were both from South America, I want to say. Yeah, they're from Central America, from Guatemala. They moved here to the States, to Quincy, Massachusetts, uh, when they were 21. And you have how many siblings? Yeah, I have four older sisters. Um, so I'm the youngest and the only boy. Wow, wow. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Austin, Texas, by singer, songwriter, guitar, and piano player Ricky Duran. Visit his official website at IamRickyDuran.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at NHTE.net. On his website, you will see icons to go follow Ricky on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Keep up with Ricky online so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live. And while you can and should certainly follow him on Spotify, the better way to support Ricky is to purchase downloads of his music from iTunes. There is a link for that also on IamRickyDuran.com. I have been talking for several months now about the online class that I launched at InterviewTipsCourse.com. So my question at this point is, have you signed up yet? And if not, what are you waiting for? There are so many opportunities out there to get interviewed these days. Not only does this class give you more than 15 sources you can use to find interviews, but more importantly, it provides close to 30 tips to make sure that you succeed when you're a guest on radio, TV, a podcast, whatever. Maybe best of all is that this is on demand, so you don't have to worry about it not fitting into your schedule. Invest in yourself. Invest in your career make the most out of the interviews you get, and for that matter, get yourself booked more into interviews. This is for anyone, not just people who are doing music. If you're an actor, an actress, inventor, comedian, magician, entrepreneur, maybe you're somebody who offers coaching services of some kind, all of you folks should be getting interviewed. But if you just get booked, do the interview, and move on, you're not going to see any results coming back, like bookings or sales or downloads or whatever you're wanting for your business. Go to interviewtipscourse.com and get started now. 
Ricky, my running joke on this show is that anytime I have had a guest on who was a participant on American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, or The X Factor, I'm required by podcast law to make sure we talk about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> All good with me. two years ago, you were on The Voice. I mentioned back in the intro that you were the runner-up, but walk us through that whole experience, including getting a four-chair turn and standing ovation during the blind auditions, and then being a part of Team Blake. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, this opportunity kind of fell on my lap. I wasn't seeking out the voice. I was just playing a show here in Austin Wow. and, uh, the, the person who hired me, you know, mentioned, Hey, I have a friend who's a producer on the voice. She's coming to Austin to do private auditions. Uh, you should message her. And I just so happened to message her, uh, got in the audition and, and right there went to basically LA uh, a month later and had the opportunity to, uh, you know, audition blind audition. Um, now, when I got the four chair turn, that was uh, it was a shock for me. I don't know if you've seen the video, but it was in like the first like fifteen seconds of singing. So um, <laughs> when that happens, it's kind of hard to continue. And, like, you know, <laughs> like it didn't happen. Um, but I, I tried my best to uh, keep it together, uh, and I really enjoy that watching that now. You know, it's just like for me that was kind of um, a, it was a big moment. You know, it changed my career for sure you know it got me a whole uh, new set of fans and uh, i got to work with blake shelton as you mentioned he's an awesome dude very charismatic um he's helped me out quite a bit uh he put me in contact with his uh producer who i'm in contact with now wow uh and his old manager also wow um but yeah working with him was phenomenal and uh i had the chance to, to hang out with him offset um, and we had a couple of drinks and just talked about, you know, music and life in general. So I know that you can only speak for yourself and not the scores of others that have been on The Voice over the years, but when you go into that blind audition, do you tell yourself in your head, if Blake Shelton turns around, that's who I'm picking, or was it just honestly, like, in the moment, wow, all four of them did, I, I actually have a decision on my hands here? All right, so full disclosure on this one. Um, <laughs> So I had, you know, told uh, the voice through all my interviews before the blind edition that I was going to choose John Legend if I had the opportunity. Uh, I think that, honestly, I think my music, the music that I write probably fits a little better with John. Um, but before I went out there, a producer came up to me and told me, hey, Ricky, you know, if Blake happens to turn around, I think you should go with him because... Mm. I think you can make it really far on his team. Wow. And that was basically all I needed to hear. It was one of the top producers for the show. Uh, and if they're saying that, you know, the way I saw it, I was like, okay, I should probably pick Blake. Yeah. He was my number two. Uh, but, you know, after hearing that, it was a no-brainer for me. But when you said that you had been saying that you were going to go with John Legend, was that because they actually ask you who are you going to pick, or is it something you just decided to volunteer with them on your own? Oh, no, they ask you pretty regularly oh, okay. <laughs> throughout okay. the interviews before the blinds. You know, who would you like to have as your coach? Um, but sometimes they use that footage. Uh, I don't think they did for me because I ended up going with Blake. Well, this is great insight because for the folks that have been with me for a long time, thank you, of course, but you know that we have had lots of guests on this show from the four different reality shows that I talked about. In fact, Allison Porter, who won The Voice, was a guest on the show and all the people who have been on the voice ricky you're the first one that's given those kind of insights so very interesting to learn and, and to hear about so that that's really cool thank you for sharing all that yeah hopefully uh i don't get in trouble for, for <laughs> <laughs> i think i'll be all right though well i mentioned back in the intro that you headlined sold out shows both there in austin as well as up in the northeast mm -hmm. and for the audience by the way what we're referring to is post the voice Ricky, how different did you come out on the other side of the voice in terms of performing live, given everything that you had learned from being on the show, as compared to what a live Ricky Duran performance would have looked like before you were on the voice? So I definitely left the voice with a lot more confidence. But, you know, as far as I've had some people say, you know, you're such a better performer now. And to that, I'll just say that. I never actually had the opportunity to perform on a, on a huge stage with, with a lot of talented musicians behind me. And, uh, 
that opportunity on the show was great. You know, I had a stage, I had an audience just looking at me. You're the star there, and you can do what you want with that with that time. Um, so now, you know, my performances after the show, I try to uh, uphold that level of of performance. You know, so uh, my performances now are definitely a lot more interactive than they were before the show because usually it was just me at a you know small bar with an acoustic guitar just playing three hours whereas now it's more of a performance where people come to see me as the artist and uh i guess i, I just put more into it now yeah yeah i like it i like it mm-hmm. your official youtube channel has a combined total of over a quarter of a million video views including an official music video that you released one month ago for your newest single were you always keen to create videos of some kind or did the pandemic kind of leave you with no choice to do things like live streams and create videos for youtube uh, i definitely adapted with with covid but um i've always loved doing uh, music videos making videos uh especially overdubbing vocals and, and being able to harmonize with yourself um that's always been fun for me but you know with with covid i hadn't done a live stream before then and to be honest i still really don't like going live uh, I, I hate that there's no interaction with the audience. It's, it really stumps me a bit because as a, as a performer, you really go off of the audience. You use them as, as fuel and direction. So uh, not my favorite, but I still, you know, I go live now sometimes. Yeah, I think, I think what I hear you saying is it's kind of anticlimactic. Yes, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, so when you mentioned about overdubs, of vocals to harmonize with yourself. How are you doing that? Are you what what software are you using? Because I imagine this this is a lot of home recording that you're doing. Sure. Yeah. So I have a couple methods. Um, the most difficult one, but probably the most professional, is Pro Tools. I, I have a Pro Tools at my home studio, Pro Tools LE, and uh, I record. What I do is I record, you know, simultaneously a video and the audio, and then I uh, I'll go back and and overdub the same thing, video and audio. Uh, but it's kind of time consuming to do that uh, and put it all together with, I think I use like iMovie. Um, there's also an app that's called Acapella that no one's paying me to say this, by the way, but <laughs> if you're a singer, you should check out this, uh, this app, Acapella. It's really cool. They make it very easy and you can do it all from your phone. So I've been using that. There you go. Some great insights on this episode, some great information that you're getting, some behind the scenes about the voice, some technical stuff here of of what Ricky's doing to create his videos. On your website, by the way, there is an area that says support the music, and underneath it, it says crowdfunding, donate to support Ricky's EP project. I was going to ask you if we should read into that to mean that you've got something in the works, but you did mention earlier on something that to me sounds like beyond an EP. I think you said something like nine tracks. So please update us. What stage is all this at? You know, how many songs are written, recorded? What kind of timeline are we looking at? Things like that. Sure. Yeah. It started off as an EP and, uh, you know, I ended up getting in the studio and uh, cranking out a few more songs than I imagined. So uh, now we're looking at a full-length album. Uh, it's going to be called Space and Time. And uh, we're looking at a late January release, and it's a nine tracks, uh, nine tracks on the album. That's great. And, folks, late January is going to be here before you know it. So know. Ricky could probably tell you better than any of us could imagine how soon that sounds, <laughs> because I imagine there's lots and lots of work to be done between now and then. But that's that's great news. So when you mentioned the recording of it, are you going to a studio? I'm sure you're not doing this at home yourself, or am I wrong? No, you're right. I went to uh, Arlen Studios down here, which is a pretty famous recording studio in Austin, Texas, famous for housing uh willie nelson he recorded a lot of his albums uh at that studio um and i think only two two other tracks on that album are recorded uh in nashville and who are you working with producer wise i'm working with a a buddy of mine who actually graduated the same uh year in berkeley calls of music he's been working with john legend uh mixing his his tracks and also uh recording him um, and I'm lucky enough to, to still have that connection. So uh, he's out in L.A., but we record here, and then I just send him the, the files, and he's been mixing that and kind of guiding uh, the creative direction a little bit, too. 
Fantastic, fantastic. While we're talking about your original music, People.com called you, quote, one of music's most wide-ranging genre-busting artists, end quote. And I mentioned back in the intro that CMT has highlighted your music. Plus, I saw you referred to as having, quote, soulful vocals. And then to throw one more description out there, your latest single is categorized on iTunes as singer-songwriter. So sort all that out for us. What would you say your <laughs> genre is, your sound, your style of music? So I'm a nightmare for... Um record labels because <laughs> you know they're all about you know what are you are you country and packaging that um i i although i could do that i could probably hold myself to one genre when i sit down to write a song uh i, I don't like to put myself in a box so pretty much whatever comes out uh and i and i think it's a respectable idea i'll put out there so i mean my influences range from blues r&b I guess some some country, uh, but I really like the genre of singer songwriter because that kind of encompasses everything, you know. Well, and I get it because there's so much to be done when you can have crossover appeal. And you mentioned earlier that you chose Blake, but you felt that your music is probably more geared towards an artist like John Legend in terms of what he could probably do with you. So, you know, there is unfortunately those places where music goes out where you can only check one box and you have to pick. I can't pick one genre. Well, you have to because this drop down only lets us pick one thing. Uh, but certainly, you know as well as anyone the value of being versatile and not just being backed into a corner and saying, give us one genre and this is who you are. Yeah, it's been, it's been a challenge though. Uh, I've definitely had, you know, I've been talking with uh, multiple labels and it's been a, uh, a topic that comes up every time, you know, where, where are we going to put you? What are we going to categorize your music as? Um, and like I said earlier, I, although I could fall into that, I haven't yet. I've still been kind of stubborn about creating whatever I want to create. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you is when you sit down to write a song you know, I'm thinking that you're just being moved by whatever ideas are coming to you and not, I need to think of a country song or I need to create a pop song or I need to write a insert genre here. Right. I feel like that kind of takes away from the, well, definitely from the authenticity of, of the music, you know? Um, but in the future, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I definitely, uh, I've been talking with my producer about creating a, uh, rock EP, probably like a three track and an R and B EP also where, um, you know, those are both genres that I, I definitely have a lot of influence and it might be nice to just tackle those as separate things for a small project. Yeah. But I like your description because at the same time, it's going to limit your creativity. If someone tells you, no, this is what we're prepared to market you as right and all of a sudden you say well i got some great song ideas in my head but i guess i can't write them or i can't write them for you so you know what do you do with that so you know i like that idea that you know kudos to you for saying hey maybe i just release a couple of small eps that that hit on a couple different sounds and you know let the people go wherever they're drawn right mm -hmm. so i want you to talk to the aspiring performers out there who are saying well, if his buddy mixes John Legend and Ricky has the ability to drop the I was on the voice card into the John Legend camp, why isn't Ricky leveraging this and trying to get himself in with John Legend? So I'm uh, honestly, I think I'm waiting for the, the right time. Um, I, I wrote all these songs uh, that are coming up in my album and I'm very happy with them. Um, but I think if I'm going to approach John Legend, I, I want to do it s smart. Um, and I want to make sure that it's, you know, I'll give him a song that he's going to be moved by. Um, not that he might not, you know, be moved by some of these songs on this album, but I want to, you know, if I'm going to attack that, I want to make that geared towards what John Legend will think about this particular thing. Um, and also I, I, I want to uh, not really put my friend in a situation where, he might feel awkward about approaching John Legend. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Uh, I'm just you know careful about it, but 
it, it is there. You know, the option is there, and I'm just waiting for the right time. Yeah, and I love everything you said. And for those of you who are listening that are aspiring artists, I hope that you're really filtering all this out to understand that this is a strategy. So whereas you might think, strike while the iron is hot, why didn't he just talk to John Legend while he was on The Voice? Well, you all, you can strike while the iron is hot, but still do so strategically, meaning if you all of a sudden speak up just because you're there and then you say, well, wait a minute, what do I have to give him? And am I happy with what I have to give him? And the answer is I don't have much or what I do have I'm not happy with. Well, then all of a sudden you want to rethink the timing of that. So I also applaud you, Ricky, for recognizing that, you know, this is something that you don't want to jeopardize your friend's relationship with that mixing job that he has. And you also don't want to re- jeopardize the relationship with your friend and for him to say, oh, come on, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do a job here. Right. And, you know, so hats off to you because <laughs> I think it would be very easy to just have a knee-jerk reaction and jump and try to get John's attention and it's, you know, this is where I'll say it has only been two years. It's not like you were on The Voice 10 years ago and he's not going to remember who you were. Right. Yeah, no, and I had a, you know, a handful of conversations with, with John after the show. Um, well, let's uh, During the show, but after the tape, he would come up to me pretty regularly and, you know, tell me uh, that he enjoyed my performance, which was pretty rare of him to do, you know, and I, I uh, really appreciate and respect him for, for coming up to me to talk to me uh, about music and my performances. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And let me go on the record as saying, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed that I I hope Ricky that there's not a moment in your life when you I don't want to say hang your head but when you get hung up on the runner-up card because we hear so many people who have been on The Voice and they were in the top 48 or they're in the top 24 or they got on TV but they only were in the first round and then they got eliminated and so. You know, other than Allison Porter, who was on the show and won it, I mean, this was very attractive to me to say, wow, someone who was the runner-up on The Voice, yes, I want to have him on Now Hear This Entertainment. <laughs> so I hope you give yourself the credit that you do and that you do pat yourself on the back because, to me, there is absolutely nothing at all to hang your head about from being the runner-up. There are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of performers and lots more who would love to have been the runner-up. It's just like a team that doesn't win the Super Bowl or a team that doesn't win the World Series. There's so many other teams that are sitting at home watching those games right. saying, I wish we were in the World Series. I wish we were in the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going a long way to applaud you and, and say that it, if, it, if it means anything at all, it definitely got my attention. I appreciate that, Bruce. Um, yeah, I will say that, you know, there's definitely a lot of talented artists that I saw even on my uh, season that – that didn't make uh, make it very far. And it's a matter, you know, with shows like that, um, there's a certain amount of, of luck and, and also strategy, uh, song choices, and, you know, where the producers think you fit in the show. Um, but I'm very, you know, thankful that I made it to uh, that far, runner-up. And uh, once you get further in the show, they kind of let you open up and be your own artist a little more. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, we're going to close today with your latest single, which is called Waiting on You. Before I let you go and I play that song, share with the audience all about this track first, please. Mm-hmm. Waiting on You is a song I wrote years ago. I lost my dad to suicide in 2012, and uh, it was a huge shock to me and my family. Um, I didn't really know what to do after that if anybody you know listening has experienced loss of suicide it's a it's a challenging thing there's a lot of emotions that go into it um and i wrote this song and i i wasn't sure if i wanted to release it uh up until this year when my sister actually mentioned you know you should release this song and why not partner up with the uh, america foundation of suicide prevention for the release so i reached out to them and they uh really loved the song so they helped me release it and also I donated the proceeds of the uh, release to the AFSP, and they also gave me uh, volunteers for my music video that you should check out. I love how it came out. It was filmed up in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, um, so please do check that out. Um, but, yeah, I hope you guys really like the song, Waiting on You. Go ahead and just talk a little bit about the video. I do want the listeners certainly to go to your YouTube channel and watch it, but just talk about the making of that video. 
Sure, yeah. I worked with uh, my friend, actually, John Fields up in Worcester. He was, <laughs> funny enough, he was a bartender at the first bar I ever played at. Um, <laughs> but now he's a videographer. So we teamed up, and we wanted this song, uh, the music video, to be very, you know, emotional, just like the song is, and, and personal. So uh, in the video, I visit the cemetery where my, my father is buried, um, and I kind of... I'm the actor in in the music video, and I, I tried to capture my feelings right when it happened. You know, feelings of frustration, uh, sorrow, loss, anger. Uh, but when it all ends, uh, the message that's there is that you know there's hope and there's always light, and you just got to push through the darkness and reach that light. And again, for the audience, I really want you to go and watch that video. I believe that when I was looking at Ricky's YouTube channel this morning, I think I saw that it already has 10,000 views in just the first month alone. So congratulations on that. Ricky, it's been really great having you on the show. Thank you so much. A lot of really great insights and information. And congratulations on your latest single. And we'll be looking for the new album release in late January. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Yeah, I enjoyed it, you bet. That will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar, and piano player Ricky Duran. Be sure to check out his official website at IamRickyDuran.com. Again, I will put a link to that on the show page for this episode at NHTE.net. There are lots of ways to engage with Ricky on social media. This morning, I followed him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I encourage you to do the same. I'm sure that he would appreciate it. There are logos for all those on his website. Plus, you just heard him talking about his official YouTube channel and the new music video for his latest single. So do subscribe to his YouTube channel and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell Ricky that you heard him and his music. I now hear this entertainment. Again, you can and should also follow Ricky on Spotify, but the better way to support him is to purchase downloads of his music from iTunes and similar online digital retailers. Keep up with him online, too, so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live. Be reminded that if you or someone you know is in a position where you or they get interviewed on radio, TV, podcasts, etc., or should be getting interviewed or interviewed more, then the online class that I launched is a great resource to benefit more from those efforts that you or they are making. This is in a go-at-your-own-pace format, so you don't have to worry about a date and time not working with your schedule. At interviewtipscourse.com, there are videos and PDF downloads that all will help you towards getting better results, which means more sales, more downloads, more clients, more bookings, whatever your desired goal is for getting interviewed. Don't keep doing interviews and coming away feeling it was a waste of your time. Invest in yourself and your career. Go to interviewtipscourse.com now and get started. That will do it for episode 406. Thank you so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Ricky Duran. This is his latest single, and the track that he just talked about, it's called Waiting on You. When your hair fades to gray And I've long since gone away I will be